you're listening to the Teen Wolf Rewolf. So I feel like I ask a lot of questions on this podcast, general questions that I want people to respond to. Sometimes we get answers, sometimes radio silence. Uh, but the second I asked what the opposite of yeehaw was, <laughs> everybody is a cowboy with an opinion in my DMs. Yeah. Oh. I had people say it's yee-naw. I had people say it's ha-yee. I had people say gosh darn. I had more people agree with us that it's dadgummit. But I can't believe that that is what it took for, like, <laughs> reaching out, you know? Uh, my sister comes down on the side of Yeenaw, just so you know. She texted me, didn't go into your DMs, so you were spared that particular one. She's allowed. Yeah. Everyone's allowed. I love making <laughs> friends. I just didn't realize that it was going to be such a hot topic that, like, everyone, you know, straps their spurs on to be like, them's is fat and words. <laughs> I don't know. The cowboy life really captures the imagination. People have opinions. Yeah, I do feel like everybody who, regardless of where you live in these United States and also Australia and also Canada, the cowboy countries, you mm-hmm. have cowboy opinions. Oh, yeah. I also think um, popularized by the great Casey Musgraves, I didn't say fucking ye. <laughs> I, <didn't. laughs> I think people care about it. I do. Yeah, I, I get it. Um, in the words of Mitski, be the cowboy. Um, so if you guys are interested in more cowboy content, let us know and we'll try to add it. <laughs> I feel like I throw a little bit of horse girl in there every once in a while. Yeah, you are a cow boy, girl, a cow person. Thanks for being gender inclusive. <laughs> we can say cowboy. I feel yeah. like cowboy is is gender neutral. Gender neutral. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A cowboy. I like a belt buckle. Mm-hmm. I like boots. Yeah, yeah. Um, the funny, <laughs> the funniest thing is, um, is that. We're not even to the cowboy season of Teen Wolf yet. No, but imagine man. the cowboy discourse when we get to season six. I love the concept of ghost cowboys. Oh yeah, superior in Why every are way. There not more cowboy horror movies. I don't know. That is. Should like, I write one? Yeah. Yeah. Go. For, um. I don't know. We. You. You made me watch that documentary, Unbranded. Phenomenal, right? Yeah, very, very good. But I also was just thinking about how spooky it would be to be on that trip. Yeah. How scary. Yeah. Why aren't there horror movies about cowboys and ghosts and the great outdoors, yeah. which are terrifying? I mean, there's like um, what you would say, like um, pioneer movies mm-hmm. and like, you know, scary pioneer. Like like The Revenant is kind of a pioneer movie, right? It's not technically I guess. horror, but it is horrific to watch. Mm-hmm. I guess it exists. Uh, that documentary she's talking about, I will recommend. It's called Unbranded, and it's about these four like college graduates who decide they're going to ride wild mustangs from the border, the Mexican border, to the Canadian border, and it takes them five months. If you liked Spirit Stallion of the Cimarron, you'll love. That. If you just like horses, weird land discourse, um, dudes fighting with each other, and pretty views, I recommend the documentary. Mm-hmm. Fair warning: you will not be able to understand half of their fights. But it is fun to listen to. That is coming from you. I understand all of their fights because I understand. Because you've seen it a million times. No, because I understand the horse discourse. Like, okay. I understand what they're fighting about just on, like, because a lot of it is, like, just how they're supposed to be taking care of the horses. And I'm like, I guess it's a contested issue. <laughs> um, away from horses. Into wolves. Welcome to the Teen Wolf Free Wolf podcast, a podcast where we sometimes 
frankly, more often than not, talk about MTV's Teen Wolf. My name is Christian. I'm Julia. And we're ready to rock and roll because we are wrapping up on season four. We just watched the penultimate episode of the season and honestly had like a pretty good time. I was enjoying myself. Now that we've left behind the incomprehensible Deadpool stuff, is, I'm I'm back to being uh in I'm back to enjoying my time. It is cuckoo banana pants that the Deadpool is like the least sensical part of this season because it's such an interesting concept. Such an interesting concept, but I'm just kind of like if you couldn't make it work or fit it in, just do, you know, the Mexico stuff. Just do La Loba and like if they had done a whole season of trying to hunt down um the desert wolf like especially since this is only 12 episodes it really felt like a have your cake and eat it too kind of moment which you can't do in 12 episodes it's really funny it's like after three a and b Mm -hmm. they were like we're returning to our roots we're doing the 12 episode season couldn't quite make it happen and then they were like we're expanding our season to 20 episodes and that was way worse (laughs) so well what is so funny to to think about, I feel like we've complained in the past that some of uh, what comes out, even in three A and three B, which are you know agreed upon to be very good, um, some of it seems like filler, and some of it seems like you didn't. The pacing was so off, um, so perhaps they thought they were like fixing that problem by having these two parallel plots, um, but it didn't work. Well, I, I I don't even know if that's it because obviously there's a there's two parallel plots in three A. But, but they are, they, but they also connect with each other. I think the biggest issue is that the Deadpool and Kate only connect through Peter, who is, you know, quite a slippery friend. So fun, but that's not a strong enough link. No. Like at all. Yeah. But that said, we left behind the Deadpool in the last episode and had a really fun time in this episode. Mm hmm. Um, there was lacrosse. there was, there was lacrosse. There was Skira. Malia did the deer line <laughs> that everyone loves. There was Liam. Like, I feel like we brought back stuff we weren't, we, I kind of missed from other episodes. It was fun. I, I had a good time. And I think it leads us into like, I actually think the season four finale is pretty good. Yeah. I, I, I we've talked over and over again about how much we like the berserkers, how terrifying they are, the, how cool the design is, and just like the mere concept of berserkers and the fact that that's kind of how it rounds out with like Scott ultimately being corrupted into a berserker. Scary. Yeah. It's good. Berserkers are scary. Mm-hmm. A lot of berserkers in this episode too. Mm-hmm. This episode had everything. <laughs> all of the parents. All of the parents. Happens. Yeah. They all made an appearance. They all said things. One of them is maybe dying. Maybe. 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 But we're going to get to that after we get through our 60 second recap of this episode, which is called Promise to the Dead. Yeah. Um, it was written by the same duo that wrote last week's episode, Go Figure, um, Ian Stokes and Jeff Davis. And it was directed by our um, you know, dear friend Tim Andrew. We should cause a problem right now and like pick which one we think was the problem in the last episode. <laughs> like, was it Jeff? Was it Ian? Who fixed this episode? Was it Jeff? Was it Ian? Fight. <laughs> An in-depth conversation. No holds barred. Tear each other's throats out. Yeah. This is Teen Wolf, baby. Throw one another under the bus. Oh my gosh. I would love that kind of drama to come forth. You know how like, 
uh, there was like all of that drama in like the Game of Thrones writers' room, especially mm-hmm. at the end of season. I would think it'd be so funny if somebody wrote like a tell-all piece about like Teen Wolf writers' room drama. Like I don't want to hear that anything bad happened, but it would be really funny to see how certain plot points like made their way into Teen Wolf. I would love that. I also I feel like most of um any news that I'm consuming these days is just bad. I could go for some drama. Some like yeah, gossip. petty. Actually, you know what? I don't even want it to be about Teen Wolf. I want it to be about a show I've never seen Something and therefore incredibly can ju- yeah, like just yeah. enjoy passively. I will say that, um, not that you care about this at all, but like the little snippets that I'm getting about the final season of the Kardashians, um, Courtney is ruining everyone's life and it is delightful. Have you and your sister decided who you are in the Kardashian family of your family structure? We have uh, not discussed it. I really feel like maybe I'm the Chloe. Interesting. But I'm not, I feel, I feel like I'm the Chloe and she's the Courtney. I don't think either of us are Kim. Both of my sisters agree on the <laughs> Courtney. I guess I don't know anything about this season, Courtney, but you know, days of future past Courtney, where she's like, Kim, Kim there are people dying. <laughs> it's like the same vibe, but now she's just like, um, actually my family sucks and I wish I wasn't participating in this. Oh, I, I didn't ask to I be I would here. never say that um, out loud. Kidding. Love no, you, family. But, I mean... I get it after like 15 seasons or something. Oh my God, yeah. I don't know so much. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I get it. Like you never, uh, have you seen that article about, uh, the people who are playing in the pit of Phantom of the Opera for its entire 30 year run on Broadway? No. Um, basically like no one's going to give up a job when it's that consistent. So they were all under contract that they could participate till the end of the run of the show. And they all stuck around. And by the end of it, every single person in the pit hated each other. Um, yeah, I believe that. I feel like the only other way that could have gone was that they all loved each other, like in a codependent kind of way. Um, and I'd rather them hate each other. I think that's better for so you. so much more fun. <laughs> um, do you, are you ready to do the recap? Oh, wait, I'm going first. Yeah. Oh, well... <laughs> In the words of many, <laughs> and sometimes none, dadgummit. Yee-naw. Yee-naw. <laughs> um, I did just text my sister, so we'll see if she has an opinion on which Kardashian I am that differs. Okay, cool. Okay. But um, in the meantime, in the interim, are you ready? What if I said yes this time? I don't know. Mix it up a little. Well, it might be a lie, but I can say yes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm totally ready. (laughs) Uh, Okay. No, I'm so sorry. She responded to me and she asked, um, why do you think I would know any of them well enough to answer that question? In fairness, everything I've learned about the Kardashians has been against my will. It's true. Okay. Can you, can we get the show? Yeah. Okay. I'm going to count you down. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Okay. So Wendigo is dragging a body into a freezer and then, uh, she's still alive and then Deaton shows up and saves her. And then he's like, I'm taking you back to Eichenhaus. And then he goes to Eichenhaus and talks to some guy with the eyeball in his brain. And they're talking about Kate and I don't have no idea who the guy is. And then Scott comes home and Melissa has found the money bag and they talk about it. And then Liam and Mason are playing video games and Liam really doesn't want him to leave because Liam is really afraid of the berserkers and he doesn't want to be alone, but he can't tell Mason why he's scared. Derek and Brayden wake up to the alarm and Lydia is in their place and she screams being like, Derek, you're going to die. And then Malia wakes up Styles 
weird. Uh, Scott returns the money to Derek, and Derek is, like, totally cool with it. And he's like, yeah, this was Peter's money. And then Deaton is, like, psychically transported to Mexico by Eyeball Guy. And then the girls go to class, to econ class, and talk. And then Mason and Liam lift weights, and then Liam freaks out. And then Scott comes and saves him because he gets pinned under a weight. And he's like, you, and Scott's like, you need to keep your friend around if you're not going to keep me. Daddy Argent goes to the sewers tracking Kate, and then Peter shoves a pipe in him and, like, pins him to the wall. Um... Kate shows up with the berserkers, the sheriff. And oh, that God. is time. Half, I was halfway through the episode. I think exactly half. Um, well, let's see. Should I pick up where you left off or am I going to try to get through the whole thing? Well, well, try to get through the whole thing. Okay. Are I you, actually feel like I took less notes this time, so I don't know. I was getting really flustered about what I should or shouldn't be taking notes on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was being decisive. <laughs> I, I, I signed myself up for this problem, but you are going to try to do better. So are you ready? I am going to try. Sure. One, two, three. Okay. So Deaton, um, get, gets a Wendigo and takes him to Iken house so that he can talk to Dr. Valak and ask about what's going on with Derek and Kate. Um, he drilled a head in his, drilled a hole in his head for his third eye. Um, Melissa finds the money and confronts Scott about it. Um, Liam and Mason are playing video games and then Liam starts hallucinating a berserker. Derek and Braden find Lydia, um, at the loft. She is screaming because she thinks that Derek's going to die. Um, this is a cute little Stelia moment. Scott returns the money to Derek, who is a landlord. Lydia is having like a hard time at school and Kira's reassuring her. It's being kind of cute. Um, Liam is in the weight room and seeing a berserker again. Um, there's a Chris Peter confrontation moment. Um, Kira and Scott going a little date in Derek's loft and then Kate comes in and she's like oh no we're going to church peter impales chris on some rebar um liam mason have a little heart to heart and then the lacrosse game starts but scott's not there parish finds argent um and then there's more liam berserker hallucinations on the field peter shows up to the game because he's like uh i want you malia to kill the desert wolf or kate rather um and i'll tell you who your mom is you definitely got farther than i did i was in the minutia (laughs) (laughs) i well i write down minutia in my like um plot summary because there are usually things that I want to talk about but it's not crucial to the retelling of what just happened which is what I think I, the, the issue I ran into there yeah um so basically what we missed is um Deaton like becomes unconscious and then Lydia wakes him up and is like what happened to Scott and Deaton's like well you're gonna have to go to Mexico to find out uh because okay um Liam has like a little moment after the lacrosse game with Brett and Brett's like, you're so lucky to have Scott, which that's true. Um, and then Scott is in Mexico and Kate is like, surprise, we're turning you into a berserker. Yes. The end. Um, yeah, that, that sums it up. We, this is a kind of tried and true penultimate episode where like we get a like we don't wrap anything up, but we set everything else up to be wrapped up in the next episode. The dominoes. I said up a lot of times there. Should I say down? Things down. are going to wind down. Hey, next there time. we go. Nailed mm-hmm. it. Um, and this week we're going to talk about this episode through the theme of endurance, a concept that actually gets mentioned a couple times in this episode. So did we pick the theme or did Teen Wolf? Uh, it's when they say the movie title in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And you're like, thank you for doing that for me. I wouldn't have gotten it otherwise. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's applicable. And I actually think it's something that is an undercurrent of Teen Wolf at pretty much always. And to have it be so in our faces is, is interesting to talk about. Uh, where would you like to start? I want to talk about Liam. 
Yeah. One, because I love him and he has been uh, curiously absent lately. Yeah. Because he's going through a lot. He was like brutalized by one of the berserkers, which is clearly um, really upsetting him. And he's kind of taking a moment to figure out um, if he wants to be part of the pack. And like Scott is kind of offering him an out in this particular episode. Um, And Liam's just like really going through it. He's seeing the berserkers around every corner. He can't sleep. He sees them on the lacrosse field and in the weight room. And like, he just cannot get it together. Something I think is really interesting about Liam's plot point in this episode is that outside of Styles's uh, psychosis in the third season, we don't always talk about like the aspect of nightmares in this show, mm-hmm. which you have to think like the trauma would be so overwhelming for all of these people that they would be having nightmares all the time. And even, even if they're not like scream yourself awake type of bad dreams, it's this is the first time in a while we've talked about how this world psychologically affects you upon entering it. Mm-hmm. Um, and Liam has had to go through a lot very silently. He can't tell Mason he has made the decision not to tell Mason or hasn't been able to bring himself to. And that isolates him away from his primary, like emotional support. You know, mm-hmm. we know he has a strange relationship with his stepdad. We know he loves and trusts Scott, but doesn't, you know, isn't about to be like, Hey buddy, you want to talk about my feelings? I think especially because Scott, um, he, he really sees Scott as like this infallible, um, leader who just puts his life on the line every time to help people, which I mean, Scott clearly is not infallible, but he does do that. And that's like kind of the image that he presents to people. So I really, it really feels like Liam can't go to him. Yeah. Because how can you share that feeling with someone who is like Superman, you know? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Who is a superhero. Captain America. Whoever you want to call him. (laughs) Whoever you'd like to fit into that little slot. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, but Mason just like feels really alone. And there's no one else in the pack. Yeah. Mason, Mason I'm sure, also feels alone. Mason actually does because they have the conversation where he's like, well, my last best friend was a serial killer, so I really could use you to not be one. (laughs) If you wouldn't mind... So if you could just not be a serial killer, that'd be people on Facebook trying to find a roommate. It would be really great if you weren't a serial killer. Cat's okay. Cat's okay. 420 friendly. Oh, happy 420 to all who celebrate. <laughs> it is. I That like did not even click for me until I saw someone tweeting today like, this is the second most annoying day on the internet. <laughs> uh, 420. And I was like. The first being April Fool's. Uh, yeah. Wow, they really are in just the three short <laughs> weeks of each other, so that's great. You get them right out of the way. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. Also, New Year's. Yeah, stop telling me about your accomplishments. Yeah. It's really annoying. That's so rude. What if people, what if you haven't accomplished anything? How's that making other people feel? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, going to start bragging about the stuff I didn't accomplish. Did not get engaged this year. Did not have a baby. My novel is still just a title page. Uh, Live in the same apartment. (laughs) Didn't go anywhere fancy. No one did. If you went somewhere fancy during a global pandemic. 
I think it meant during 2020. And I was like, I did go to Spain, but it was in January. No, that's true. Um, but anyway, Liam. Oh yeah. <laughs> endures. He endures. I mean, like the thing about like not having him here for a couple of episodes is that we're sort of just meant to infer that this has been happening for the last like three episodes he hasn't been in. Mm hmm. And I mean, like, there is a level of like physical endurance we talk about in Teen Wolf. Like, that is a big part of what Chris goes through in this episode. But like, mental strength is um, limited in to anybody. You know, like the, Scott has his breakdowns and and you know things that he like we'll see kind of things that he can't process or forgive. That's a big part of season five. Um, but when Liam is surrounded by people who look like they know what they're doing purely because they've been going through this for three seasons prior to his entrance. Mm-hmm. That would be, that would make you feel so alone. Yeah. And I also, um, I think this just kind of, um, not in terms of like the plot of the show or like the minutia of the show. It's just like kind of a wider, um, metaphor for like growing up, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like getting super powers is like going through puberty, whatever, all of that typical, like, like simple plan was right. I'm just a kid. Life is a nightmare. Life is a goddamn nightmare. Um, but I really feel like so much of what growing up is about is learning how to endure Mm -hmm. and learning how to keep going when you just cannot anymore. Um, which isn't to say that like you shouldn't be uh, addressing your psychological problems, but also that they're not going to go away. And it's about getting to a place where you can. Mm -hmm. And I think that that conversation with Scott in the weight room was him getting to a place he can. And then ultimately has the conversation with Mason where Mason was like, when you're ready to talk, I'm here to talk, which is something that I mentioned to you while we were watching the episode, something we would never see styles and Scott go through either because they're already so open with each other or because they're actually, you know, when you get too close to somebody where you're like, that's actually, there, there are untouchable subjects here (laughs) because you know me too well that that would change the way you look at me. Mm hmm. There's not that between Mason and Liam. They're very clearly like a communication friend thing. Um, Mason is obviously way better at communicating than Liam can be because (laughs) Mason can say out loud, I want you to talk to me. And Liam cannot tell Mason, I want you to spend the night because I'm afraid. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is so sad. Oh my God, I know. Um, But I actually, that's something that I I really like because I think with the introduction of Liam and Mason, um, obviously that's next gen. That's like the next Scott and Styles. Mm -hmm. But they're making these really clear delineations in the relationships um, so that they like exist kind of on their own. And whereas Scott and Styles are more like, siblings yeah where it's like don't talk to me we agreed not to talk about that yeah um like mason and liam i i think mason knows that the only way to communicate with him um is through being just like super blunt and trying to be there yeah and then ultimately like i think brett ends up being the one to be like at least just let mason know at the end that it's going to be people who know about your life your werewolf life who are going to be the people who are able to help you. Mm-hmm. And he says, you know, you're lucky cause you're going to, ha- cause you have Scott. I wish I had somebody like Scott, which is like, first of all, rude. First of all, mostly, I love Satomi. Um, but I think that that kind of opens Mason up. I mean, not Mason, Liam up to the idea that he one needs Scott to also be on his side and two, that the people in his life need to know about what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on. Should we talk? I kind of want to talk about Derek. A very brief appearance. Brief appearance. In this episode. We got some Nakey. Some Nakey. 
we're confirmation that he is a landlord. Boo. But also, does anyone else live in that building? Probably. I guess. Man, it must be fucking weird yeah. to live in that building. Strange disturbances going on at all. Imagine being night. in that building and being like, is that the bloody Beetroots? <laughs> remember? Okay, remember in the in season three when they like flooded his whole apartment so they could electrocute Kali? Yeah. That had to have leaked somewhere, like into somebody yeah. else's apartment. <laughs> people people are just like trying to check their mail and they're like, is that a ninja? <laughs> is that a bullet hole? In the wall. Although that said, we live in a really weird apartment building, so stranger has happened. Stranger things have happened in general every day. Yes. Um, but Derek is trying to figure out how to be a human. As you as you said previously off podcast, raw dogging it through life. <laughs> Thank you for crediting me in that really gross comparison. Um, I yeah, I think that Derek. And he says this to Scott when Scott is like, I think Scott says something about like how we're doing research. We're trying to figure it out about like, you know, what Kate could have done to you. Derek is not like lying down and accepting death, but he is a little bit like this fate is not the worst thing that has ever happened to me. One, it's brought him to Brayden and this is probably the least lonely he's felt in seasons. They're, they're hanging out. They're sleeping together. I know. It's okay. Sweet. Costuming note. Why is she sleeping <laughs> in a push-up bra? Give her like one of his big t-shirts and no bra. And we'd all be like, that's a lot sexier. That's a lot sexier. Or even just like an unlined bra, but then we might see her nips. So that's Listen, no. Listen, <laughs> I got away with it on Friends for 10 seasons. That's true. It's true. They could have just given her a shirt. They could have just given her a shirt. But no, I mean, I think you needed the parallel of like Derek's naked and hot and Brayden is naked and hot. Then just make her naked. Just make her. We can just only see her from behind. I don't care. This is MTV. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why she was in a bra. Lydia runs naked through the woods for several days in season two and loses nine pounds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I want to talk to the costumer. Yeah. Um, but no, like he's found a life for himself that suits his situation and is therefore like the endure he he is he is enduring the loss of his powers, but he's also enjoying like the rewards that that has, you know, reaped for him, which is having an actual human connection with somebody who understands what his life is like and he doesn't actually have to hide from, you know. And, and a bank account. And a bank account. Um and that is just, you know, I I know he wasn't a huge part of this episode. He's going to obviously make his sort of departure from Teen Wolf coming up soon. But like, I think that even when he returns with powers, he does it with, you know, Brayden by his side and it takes losing his powers to have that. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing, like if you are enduring, you have to be adapting. And that is what Derek is doing in this moment. Yes. Um, and it also like, weirdly enough, it puts him kind of in direct contrast with Peter who also had to, um, endure. There's nothing in this episode is really about him except that he like almost kills Chris. Um, but like Peter endured like being in that horrible coma. Um, but he didn't really adapt. Like he is just evil, dumb Peter. And evil, not, smart, Peter. evil, smart, Peter. I don't know. Sometimes you look at someone and you're like, I know you're smart, but you're, you're a dummy. <laughs> you're dumb. <laughs> um, just how I feel about, about Peter. Um, yeah. Derek just has to learn how to adapt and start sleeping with a Glock by his bed. Yeah. That's his comfort blankie next to Brayden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's not the only person I know who does that. This is America. <laughs> 
Um, True. I, much more impressive and sexier that Brayden sleeps with her sawed-off shotgun. She's so cool. She's so cool. Oh, love her. Um, I kind of want to talk a little bit about Scott, who doesn't actually endure much in this episode. We're going to see a lot more of his endurance pay through in the next episode, given what Kate ha- does to him at the end of this episode. But um, what has Scott done for the past seasons, if not endure all of the horrible shit that he's been through. Well, what kind of made me happy about this episode is that, like, obviously it gets ruined very quickly, but Scott is doing everything in his power just to get through so that he can take Kara on a real date. And the fact that I'm just thinking about Derek and Scott setting up the light bulbs together, like, this is going to yes. be great. Scott has endured so much up until this moment that he's taking a break from from life. And, like, obviously they are lulled by the comfort of the Deadpool being over. Or he's like, maybe now I can actually, you know, show my girlfriend that I'm a good boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Um, and it gets cut short so quickly. And that's just one of those things that like Scott is always, always, always going to be asked to endure more. Yes. And he will just do it. And Kira, the most part, and Kira will also for him. Mm -hmm. Um, I think Kira has played a smaller, um, part in this season than I remember. Also, then I want her to. Where is she? Where is she? Um, but it is clear that she is also for, like, you know, both of them have put everything aside for, like, the greater good, are willing to do that as long as it, the roads lead back to the other one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and for Kira, I think that everything that she's had to endure thus far has been worth it because she um, is part of the pack. She has friends now in a sense of belonging. Um, and she got to stay, like, in Beacon Hills. And that, like everything that she's been through is worth that sense of like community, yeah. particularly supernatural community, because who, what, what other you know, werewolves and kids in it is, does she know? She I needs someone to get it. I think the weirdest thing about supernatural shows, um, is that they always are in like some rinky dinky town, but like, shouldn't all supernatural shows take place in big cities? Like that would be just like the way you explain like the Chicago crime rate is like <laughs> werewolves. <laughs> I uh, would agree. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. That's our spinoff for Teen Wolf. It's just like a different pack in like New York. Gangs of New York. That's actually like a very prominent um, Shadow Hunters thing. Like Shadow Hunters is set in New York. Oh, I have never ever engaged mm-hmm. with any Shadow Shadowhunters media. So I don't want to say how I feel about it because Cassandra Clare is just the worst. Um Okay. But I like it. Actually, I love. I really liked the show, which is possibly more embarrassing than liking the book. Yeah, the freeform show. Yeah. Um. I thought it had like took its own little spin on something. Valentine was extremely attractive. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I was really into it. Every time we mention a show we like on this podcast, someone's like, "You guys should do that for your next podcast." I would not ask you to sit through Shadowhunters, the freeform series. Thank you. I was worried about that. Um. But yeah, I mean, like, Scott is also sort of has to do a little bit of, like, reparations work in this episode. And this is driven by his mother, who is like, what the hell is this giant sack of cash doing under your bed? And he looks at her and is like, but imagine if I I kept it. And she has to be like, yeah, that's, um, you know, stealing. (laughs) And she looks at him and she's like, we've been through worse and we're going to go through worse, but that, that that's okay. Cause we're going to get through it. You know, like that was kind of what set off this episode is Melissa being like, 
okay, well, shit's tough right now. It's always going to be tough. We might as well keep going. She is incredibly virtuous. I would find it very difficult in that moment not to just like lift a few stacks and then return the rest of money. I'm also, I'm just going to say it. Uh, why didn't Derek just let him keep the money? It's Peter's anyway. He literally says it's Peter's money because I have, again, I, he has, why does he have a bank account and Peter doesn't? Because I, well, I don't know how their money was managed after the fire where Peter was in a coma for six years. And if it was like redistributed to like relatives or whatever, like if it was like done through wills, it mm-hmm. wouldn't have gone to Peter because he would have been, you know, I guess. Yeah. I'm giving Teen Wolf so much so more much credit, credit than it deserves. Jesus. <laughs> um, moving on. Uh, Styles has an interesting role in this episode. He kind of has to be Scott a little bit. He's trying to keep track of everybody, and uh, he ends up having to leave the lacrosse game he was really excited about because Scott's not there. Yeah. Yeah. And in, in his absence is being, one, trying to be Scott to Liam, doing a bad job because Styles is not Scott, and Scott is not Styles for a reason. Um, Liam doesn't even particularly like Styles. Bummer, I love Styles. <laughs> Liam I mean, has bad yet. taste. I think that they probably get closer maybe i think a lot of the teen wolf like pack bonding is done off screen yes i assume they go to the movies there's a lot of implications that happen off screen like the whole setting up of derek's loft like we love to say that derek really really loves scott and there's so little textual evidence for that it's just like the off screen stuff that you know that's happening Mm mm-hmm not weird. I, like I wish to think I'd that, seen I it. I like to think that Styles was also there, and it was actually sort of more awkward than fun. <laughs> I want to see it. I would like to see it, Teen Wolf. I would like to see it. Yeah. It's fine. But Styles. Sometimes you just want to see them, like, go to the grocery store. I want to I wanna see them do their laundry. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I mean, Styles, his sort of... It's really funny because like where where Liam is like really failing to deal with stuff, Styles is dealing with stuff a little bit too well. Like his dad comes in and is like, uh, "Well, Eichenhaus waived all our fees because you were almost murdered." And he was like, "Well, that's the best way I've almost ever been murdered before then, or something <laughs> silly like that." Mm-hmm. Um, and he's kind of an uh, like forgive me for the Teen Wolf jargon, kind of an anchor in this episode a little bit for Malia, a little bit for Liam. He, him and his dad immediately spring into action and they move forward. And it kind of shows me that like styles through all he has endured has been able to recreate, like reform his, his sort of like spastic and careless personality, not like careless in the way that he is uncaring, but in the way that he is uncalculated into somebody who can spring into action and like be somebody who's going to be like the appropriate person to go to in a time of trouble. Yeah, it's nice to see him kind of even out after the whole uh, Nagitsune thing, because I feel like at the beginning of the season, he was behaving very recklessly, um, kind of like, I have to atone for what I did in my life. Does my life really matter? I feel like that was a question. Yeah, well, it um, does. So. It does, obviously. Um, but th- this feels like a more balanced reaction to that. Like, it's proactive and thoughtful being there for people as thoughtful as you can be if you're styles because you're just acting on impulse um but it seems like it's coming from a healthier place mm-hmm. i hope 
Maybe I'm projecting too much. And like, in a sense, like, as we said, Tane Wolf is like you, the sort of conceit is you endure. Mm -hmm. And I think Styles is like, I don't have to just endure. I can also like accept challenges and, you know, exceed, Mm -hmm. which is great. We love to see it. Um, so before we get into like the, before we get into Parrish and Chris, uh, crazy i want to talk about deaton and lydia so deaton endures what i can only assume can be described as like psychological kidnapping i guess so basically i man whose name i have never bothered to learn dr valak dr Lecter, dr Lecter. Um, it is just hannibal yeah um dr i man is (laughs) in the basement of eichen house and has his third eye that he drilled a hole into to get to and somehow Deaton looks into it and it warps him into a coma where he can see what Kate is doing. Okay. So maybe this show sucks. (laughs) No. Okay. So I did not realize, first of all, when this episode started, I was like, what is happening? I did not remember this cold open at all. Um, with the whole, kidnapping and hit the Wendigo almost murdering that girl and then Deaton going and we find out that there's like the special sixth floor of Eichenhaus and I was like oh this this is like the beginning of the end for season five already do you um (laughs) remember the wayside school books I literally think about them Every day. The sixth floor of Eichenhaus is the 13th floor (laughs) of the wayside school (laughs) do you know why I think about the Wayside School all the time. The rat in the 100 raincoats? I think about the elevators that only work once because one of them only goes up and one of them only goes down (laughs) every day because when I go to work, um, because of like COVID and stuff, there's like two stairwells, but they wanted to designate it. So one's the down stairwell and one's the up stairwell. And I know that that's like how stairs work. You can go up or down them. But the fact that one of them is the up stairwell and one of them is down stairwell, I'm like, it's wayside school. It's like how nobody pays attention to the one way uh, grocery aisles. No, I, the, the tape on the floor of our target, it's just ribbons and people are like, mm, yeah. I'm going to go where I want. It's target. People will just go where they want. Cause they're crazy. I'm including myself in that. Oh I'm, yeah. I'm not trustworthy at target in any way, shape anyway, or form. But like De- what basically happens is that Deaton like is holding on, um, until they're like, we're going to basically like intern him into, in the sixth floor of Viking house. This is where we just hide the crazy people, I guess. <laughs> Cause he's a vegetable. And Lydia, who, is not as big of a part of this episode as I would like her to be. Starts her episode predicting Derek's death. So she's like in ribbons probably emotionally from that. That's crazy. She just rolls up to his apartment. She's like, sorry, you're naked, but I do have to scream right now. <laughs> okay, I actually... Um, I Derek's wish- like, why are you screaming? I'm the one who's <laughs> naked. <laughs> it does. Like on the surface, it looks um, a little ridiculous. Just like a tiny bit ridiculous. But I kind of love that. Like I love the Lydia just like showing up and doing her little banshee scream. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it, like it isn't given proper weight because we just cut away to it and there's no like, you know, yeah. whatever. Um, yeah. I was actually really interesting what ended up on the editing room floor of this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that cold open had no... No meaning. Deaton should have just showed up to Ike House being like, let me talk to him. Being like, you owe me something. Like, we don't have to, we don't have to see what favor yeah. he does for them. Yeah. We could just, you could just say that, they, that he owes them. Uh-huh. They owe him. Yep. Ugh. Anyway, but like basically Deaton, um, 
does, you know, the one piece of legwork he's required to do each season. But it does put him in incredible duress to the point where he is almost admitted to Eichenhaus permanently Mm -hmm. until Lydia shows up and she is like, everything is bad, everything is bad, but finally I can use my powers for good. She has endured enough predicting death and being miserable and hating being a banshee into the point where she can say, I can wake him up, I can get to him because I have this power and I'm going to use it. Mm -hmm. Love, Lydia. So much. This was a very boy-heavy episode. I kind of missed the girls. Yeah, there was that one scene of all of the girls talking in econ about the Deadpool or whatever, and I was like, too short, too short. Let me let me hear them. What are the girls doing on Saturday night? I want to hang out with them. I'm sure it involves popcorn. Do the Teen Wolf girls want to have a slumber party? <laughs> with me. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We'll paint nails. I'll bring wine. I'm here for it. Can we paint claws? I don't know. Maybe. I feel like but they're would so be gross. The claws are so they're gross. They're really yucky. Anyway, I just wanted to quickly bring that up. They, they honestly, like the Leah, the Lydia Deaton plotline was really just to move us into Mexico, which is fine. We have to get there somewhere. Um, the most extreme example of endurance in this episode is also not a major plot point, but it also sort of seals the theme for the episode in a very real way. So Peter obviously stabs Chris with rebar in the sewer and then bends it so he can't move forward off the pipe. Um, he is hanging to that wall impaled. You know what? Why didn't they call an ambulance? The supernatural Dean could have lived. <laughs> I, um, I can't see scenes like this without thinking of the Grey's Anatomy episode where I think it's like a train crash or something. And like two people are impaled on like the same railroad spike i don't know what it is but it's like a long piece of metal it's not rebar um and they live but i'm like i think this is a plotline in house at one point too or maybe er because of course like you can be stabbed in like numerous places in your body and as long as you don't like remove uh said object so that you don't bleed out Mm -hmm. you could possibly live provided that it's not punctured any like vital organs yeah um Clearly it didn't puncture any of Chris's vital organs. He wasn't like puking blood or anything. No, but he was uh, in pain. Yeah. Um, And Parrish comes down and he's like, sir. He calls him sir. Because Parrish was in the army, just in case you forgot. We forgot. Um, And he's like, he's like, I can't do this by myself. I'm going to need you to help me. And you either need to get angry or get scared. And I know you're not going to get scared. So you need to get angry. I know your life depends on this. And you need to be angry about all of the things that may have made your life hard. Mm-hmm. Like, and then evokes the name of Allison, how dare you, to make Chris help him push the bar out. Um, it is disgusting. So gross. But that scene, I think, is sort of the summation of a, this season a little bit, where it's like, everything that has happened to you is horrible, and that is all the more reason to keep going. Mm-hmm. Well, perhaps, so we're talking about, like, endurance being one of the theses of uh, Teen Wolf. And the thing about endurance is that if you're a human being, you have no choice but to endure. Yes. If you want to keep, if you want to keep going and like, it doesn't matter if you're being proactive and if you're like moving forward, um, simply just like existing is enduring. Are we not all raw dogging life at all points? (laughs) I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm medicated, so not quite, Mm. but almost, Yeah, almost, um, yeah, you have no choice. Are you just telling me to get medicated? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that, it, uh, you know, it's not the worst thing for me, personally. Because I'd be a better roommate. 
<laughs> oh no, I just like can go to work. No, I'm just gonna keep making this That's about it. me. Anyway, um, you're right. I mean, like the idea that like the idea that like sort of enduring is the thing that ties you to your your humanity, which is what makes it in Teen Wolf's so that you don't oh, oh you aren't overcome by like your monstrous side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like the idea that you have to endure regardless of how human you are in this show is very important because it does tie you to like not just your humanity, but the audience and like the human experience. Yeah. The human experience. experience. (laughs) Well, it's also very interesting that like Parrish, a hellhound, is the one who was doing this, but we don't know what he is yet. We got the glowy red eyes though. We did. Yes. Um, Are you ready to move into Q's and O's? Yeah, let's do it. I have no questions. Um, this is literally just like a plot recollection. Do you remember if the McCall money problems just go away or do they, I actually blacked out season five. Okay. So no idea. No clue. I was just, I will say, I still have no idea what their money did. Did they default on a loan? Like Scott says something about the house needing a new roof. Um, which is a thing that you can get a, a loan from the bank for. You can refinance your mortgage. This is post financial crisis. I also so, am a little bit confused. Like clearly like Melissa has been paying the same mortgage for years. I don't understand how their bills have changed. If anything, they've gotten um, less expensive because Scott doesn't have a chronic illness anymore. <laughs> she's also a nurse and I'm pretty sure that's like a salaried position. So it's not like her income has changed in theory. I, I guess, know. Yeah. Do hours, do nurses work hourly? I, I feel like you hear, I, no, I feel like you hear about nurses taking double shifts, but I, I guess I don't know. That could just be a media thing. I have no clue. Yeah. I don't. Like there's nothing that there's no there's been no change in their income and the only big change in their life has been Raphael's presence which doesn't feel like it would monetarily tax them if anything he's probably like here Scott take twenty dollars I'm sorry I'm such a bad dad <laughs> it doesn't seem negative yeah um, and I'm also a little bit like even if they're planning like a Scott to go to college you have to think that Raphael would you know foot the bill for that I don't know yeah it's still weird to me I don't know I'm sorry. Also, when he's listing their money problems, he just lists Styles' money problems twice. Uh, yeah, which, like, I, I get it. I feel like if you were a teen, um, if you were... I'm so sorry, I'm having a stroke. Um, no, if you were, like, a kid and you knew a, a friend was having money problems, mm-hmm. like, I think, I feel like you wanted to help. You'd be like, Mom, I need to bring an extra sandwich today, you know, for my friend. And Scott Styles is like Scott's brother, so it makes sense to me that he wants to help Styles. Um, but it's like just it's so boring and it's so weird and it's so lazy. Yeah. Yeah. There is enough going on. There's enough human drama. Allison died. Yeah. We can just be why, focused and on like, that. And like, why is this season not about Scott's grief? I I mean, because Scott is unfortunately not allowed. Well, I actually think that if we had maintained some of the character presence from the third season, I think if Isaac were around and Chris were a bigger part of this season, there would be no getting around it. Yeah, but because, I don't know, I mean, it, it, it's like such a shame because I love Kira um, so much and it kind of feels like they used that relationship to not have to deal with Scott's grief. Boing, he's over it. Um, which I feel like actually it would be even more poignant and very weird. Mm-hmm. But of course, we shan't it, talk about it. Yeah, I think we even talked a little bit about like his reluctance to get in a relationship with Kira is obviously in part due to the fact that like Allison is so like recently deceased. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that that problem goes away very fast for no reason. Anyway, I don't mm-hmm. have. Any, do you have any other questions? No. Do you have any like, observations? 
Yeah, I do. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah I do. I do. <laughs> I'm so sad about it. I do. No, it's just like yet another like thing that they kind of dropped into the episode where Deaton uh, is like, I made a promise to the woman that I loved, which is, of course, Talia, right? Yeah. Was he in love with Talia? Or did he... J- but it, that the line reading says to me very much that he was in love with her. Yeah. Um, I just... This is not a question I want answered. I'm just like, what? What does? What purpose does that serve? Also, how does the line change if he says the family I love? Be- because because I made a promise to protect or to guide or like, you know, people people I care about. Yeah. And then they never go. Th- Maybe they were planning on doing some sort of backstory where we learned about Deaton, and then I don't know. The, it, it went away. The it got struck down in the writer's room. Somebody vetoed it. it. They couldn't make it work in an episode, so it just went away. Like that's fine. It just felt weird. You're right. It's out of place. It's just so frustrating because we know so little about Deaton. Like we know that he was an emissary to the pa- to the Hale family, um, and that he has a history with both Peter and Derek. Um, but we don't know any other personal things about him, really. Mm-hmm. And so that was just such a bizarre, bizarre thing to drop. Um, in there, it frustrates me. A separate point that Kira doesn't have powers. Yeah, she hasn't been using her powers in forever. At Come all, on. she's the most powerful. This is like the the Scarlet Witch problem and the, the Captain Marvel problem. Yeah, where yeah. like they they should be the most powerful people in any given fight, and it's like, but there's a man with a robot costume <laughs> and a metal arm. I would a not whole say, metal suit. Okay, I was going to be like, I would not say that Bucky is overshadowing is, either of those no, women, but but like Iron Man, um, no, it's ridiculous. Like if cat, if why was Captain Marvel not in the final battle? And it, like she just would have pulled off Thanos's head, and it would have been fine. Yeah. However, um, you know who should have been there? One of the only people to canonically defeat Thanos one on one. Squirrel Girl. Squirrel Girl. <laughs> Love her. Um. Yeah, it's just really annoying that they introduce um, a female character with, like, just insane powers and that they're, like... Waste them. Just kidding. She doesn't for, know how to use them. For man feelings. Um, I really appreciated that Scott was fully clothed for the scene where Kate puts the berserker helmet on him because I feel like there has been a lot of disgusting implications in the past about Kate and her proclivities. Um, and I just really appreciated that Scott had a shirt on. Yeah. Yep. I was just thinking about it and I'm like, mm, I appreciate that. Thank you. Also like, especially in a scene that is about uh, utterly removing bodily autonomy. Um, yeah, it would have just been like the optics would have been too much, man. Um, so good on ya. Um, yeah, I, I I thought that the Malaya Malaya, oh my goodness gracious, Malia and Styles wake up scene was so unnecessary. Super unnecessary. I was also like I was like we already know that you forgave each other. It also like didn't it wasted time. It added nothing except to find out that Styles's money problems were gone, which we didn't need in the no, first place. No, but no, that wasn't the same scene. Twas not? No, there's a scene later where he's like oh, I'm going to take you guys out to dinner. Yeah, no, okay, then I was right. That scene is wholly unnecessary. Yeah. Yeah. What are your observations? Um, I love that there was a lacrosse game. I miss lacrosse. I love lacrosse. When we did our rewatch of the first episode, I was like, this is lacrosse. Um, the Malia deer line gets me every time. <laughs> There's a couple Malia moments where I'm like, she steals the show. One is when, when, when he's like, what's your favorite food? And she goes, deer. And Styles has to be like, 
pizza. <laughs> but in we'll talk about this again, I'm sure, but in this in season six where she just chugs a disgusting lemonade. <laughs> I'm like, I love somebody who just like wholly goes through life like not self-aware. And I think Malia is brilliant. Um mm-hmm. my last observation, and this is a good one, Peter plays that motherfucker fucking long game he sits down next to malia and he's like you need to kill kate for me because i'm in cahoots with her and uh i don't want to be which means he was always planning on killing her and he like kate is so stupid for falling for that (laughs) because how like how in the world could she possibly think that the man that she uh tried to burn alive and then put in a coma for six years trapped in his own insane mind which is clearly the like the most horrific thing that could have happened to him she thinks he forgave her for that or she or is willing to overlook it i'm also like he killed you once and it didn't work and peter is nothing if not determined and i'd do it again yeah. yeah. So I just, I love that. It, it, it's so fun to be like, especially when you're watching this, I was like, I don't really remember how this Pete, Peter, Kate thing happens. And then I was like, oh yeah, he's, <laughs> Peter is always like four steps ahead. Peter plays the long game. And that is why Pierre. <laughs> Peter, 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 um, plays the long game. He's the best villain. Yeah. In all of Teen Wolf. Yes. So fun. Mm-hmm. That was the last of my observations. Do you want to give us our pack stats? Yeah. We had three eyes, no claws this time, two shirts, one for Brayden, one for Derek. Um, we had one AT&T ad, um, a siren went off while we were watching the episode, but not while we've been recording. Cool. And those are our stats. Great. Um, alpha of the week. Liam. Liam. <laughs> we never get to say Liam. Yeah. He's, he's going through so much and um or you know what maybe mason (laughs) they can have it together yes a tie a tie they can share the crown yes um because i just love them and they're a they they were a bright spot despite the fact that um liam is having horrific hallucinations poor liam yeah yes i think that about wraps it up yeah Mm mm-hmm well, if you guys liked this episode, and we really hope you did, you can follow us on Twitter at TeenWolf underscore Rewolf, which is also our Instagram handle. You can follow us at Tumblr at Teen Wolf Rewolf, and our Facebook group is Teen Wolf, Rewolf, Teen Wolf Rewolf Podcast. You can come, share the memes, join the discussions. Um, if you really liked this episode, you can leave us a review on iTunes. Please review us. It is the best way for us to find new members of the Wolf Pack. Um, and we know that there's Teen Wolf fans out there looking for a crew, a pack. A, if you will. Yeah, you know, love it. Um, finally, if you really, really, really liked this episode, you guys can buy us a coffee. Um, we put out a lot of bonus content. We put out, a, you know, a podcast once a week. It's going to actually move to two times a week soon. Um, and we are not ever, ever asking for donations. But if you are financially inclined and want to throw us, you know, a couple bucks, it's just ko-fi.com forward slash Team Wolf Rewolf. Endlessly appreciative. Again, we're not asking. It's just a link on our on our Twitter page. Um, and if all is said and done, I have been Christian. I've been Julia. And we hope you guys have a wolf of a week. Ow-woo!